0: Welcome to Burning Bright, a weekly podcast presenting poetry and prose from Passager. During December, we're featuring writing from books that Passager published in 2021. One of them was an anthology of poems by past and present members of the Writer's Salon at Ingleside Retirement Community in Washington, D.C. Their backgrounds range from art and architecture to history, government, and economics to teaching, theology, and psychotherapy. Many have written government reports, research articles, memoirs, etc., but for most, poetry has been a new endeavor. The group's longtime teacher-mentor is Bonnie Narodzi. Its members include centenarians Henry Morgenthau III and Sarah Yerkes, both of whose books Passage are published in the past. First, by Paul Armington, Budlia, Butterfly Bush. Now at my garden's edge, my budlia shoots sprays of gorgeous flowers above the wall, each one contrived by nature to attract a soul that by a single probe fulfills its role to achieve the flower's endless right to life, and therewith gets the food that powers flight. So swooping down and in with grab and push, this monarch gives its name to butterfly bush. With gin and tonic in my hand, I see how beautiful their codependency and admire the way this interplay rejects the timeless joys of life, flight, food, and sex. Butterfly bush, I know in fall you'll slow, but come again and thrill me with your show. Budlia, Butterfly Bush, by Paul Armington. Next, Tree, by the anthology's co-editor, Celia Crawford. Joyce Kilmer says that only God can make a tree but three guys with a bright yellow grinder truck can take one apart limb by limb and chew it up and spit it out in fine particles of dust in six minutes flat. They did it just now under my window, and now I have an unparalleled view of the parking lot. Celia Crawford's poem, Tree. Here's Nadine Dutcher's poem, Grief. They say that everyone grieves in their own way. What is my way? When I look at myself, what do I see? I'm not crying incessantly or trying to live magically. I am watching TV too late at night and too much during the day. There's paralysis in the morning and stress. Should I get out of bed? Should I make myself get dressed? Or can I just lie down again instead? There's also perversity. I don't want to read the sympathy notes. Friends mean well, but their words make me sad. I know I should thank them. But with their quotes, I'm reminded again that he's gone, and I feel bad. When do I miss him the most? When he's not there to pick up the phone, when I sit down to dinner and say our grace alone, when I can't comment to him about what the president has said, when he doesn't tell me to come to bed. I think I'm now living with a ghost. Grief by Nadine Dutcher Eleanor Horwitz wrote this next poem First Kiss. While flipping through a dopey magazine in the allergist's waiting room, I read that no matter how old she becomes, a woman never forgets the name of the guy who gave her her first kiss. Is this true? And if so, isn't it poor use of the fragile memory coils in your brain, clogging the synapses that could have helped you master those French verb tenses or learn to play the ocarina? Well, okay, okay, his name was Bruce Silverstein, and the sight was a path bordering Lake Messalonsky at the Coed New England music camp. It was long, long ago when I was 13 and still wearing a retainer. Bruce was not the gorgeous guy who played the oboe. He was not that tall, red-headed heartthrob who played first violin in the quartet and was 16. But Bruce was the guy who asked me to take a walk by the lake. Suddenly he stopped, took off his glasses, and very carefully put them down on a stump. Then he placed his hands on my shoulders, took a deep breath, and planted a quick hard kiss. In silence, we walked back to the dining room, because he had to be on time for dinner, and I tried not to rub the place inside my mouth where the retainer had scratched. We could think of nothing to say to each other. The summer passed, and I saw Bruce often at band practice, where we averted our glances like guilty conspirators. And thinking back, I decided that the boys in his bunk must have dared him to kiss me. Isn't that the sort of thing 13-year-old boys do? Oh, Bruce, it's been such a short 70-plus years. Whatever became of you, funny-looking Bruce? Did you have musical children who played your old trumpet? Did you, one night, reminiscing with old friends, remember the name of the girl you gave your first kiss? First Kiss, Eleanor Horwitz. Next, What Matters Most at Ninety, Bunty Ketchum. What matters at ninety is earth under a wood's path in summer. Fire from candles that flicker before mirrors and make of my room a chamber of Versailles. Air fresh and cool from my open window that breathes me to sleep every night. The sweet scent of lilacs that greets me in spring mornings. Water, my life giver, tears or rain, the creek that flows past my window. What matters at 90 is time, long stretches of memories, short bursts of today's, visions of possible tomorrows. What matters at 90 is love, love seen, love heard, love tasted, love felt as the touch of a hand, a wink, a smile, or a hug. What matters at 90 is the essence of things colors blue and yellow and red, ever-present elements of earth, fire, air, water, time, love, words few, feelings many, stirrings of newness, a poem, a song, a picture, a happening. What Matters Most at 90, Bunty Ketchum. The Ingleside Anthology's other co-editor was Molly Quinn. Here's her poem, Alas. Today I saw a graceful buck standing grandly beside the road. His nascent rack of horns was small, but he didn't look self-conscious. I worry about his safety. As many cars go speeding by, I want to shout, scare him away. My three grandsons flash to mind, their efforts to grow scraggly beards atop young, muscular bodies. What traffic will they encounter? My worry futile as for the deer. I can no longer protect them from metaphorical traffic. Molly Quinn's poem, Alas, and finally from Ted Truman, Our Friends Have Passed Away. Our friends have passed away from among us here at Ingleside. May the beauty of their home in heaven eclipse what they left behind. Nancy and Thompson are gone, leaving gifts of charm and mirth, a ravine of plants and paths, Reminders of the world outside. In Africa, France, Russia, Wyoming, they dwelled and left their marks in elegant prose and poetry, sublime and filled with sparks. We honor their memory and what they gave us all. May we exit as gracefully when we receive the call. Our friends have passed away. Ted Truman, a fitting tribute to the writers in the Ingleside anthology who have died. To buy the Ingleside Anthology, or Passager's books by Ingleside writers Henry Morgenthau III and Sarah Yerkes, or to subscribe to or learn more about Passager and its commitment to writers over 50, go to PassagerBooks.com. Before we close, this from Passager's assistant editor, Roseanne Singer. Reading and answering emails that come to Passager is anything but routine. Almost daily, the passion, urgency, and commitment of the Passenger community comes through in those messages. As a small literary press, Passenger has brought together a worldwide community of writers, readers, and listeners. To keep doing all that, we need your support. Even a small donation can go a long way to sustaining us. Go to PassagerBooks.com and click on Donate at the top of the page. Passenger's Assistant Editor, Roseanne Singer. You can download Burning Bright from Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Audible, and a host of other podcast apps. For Kendra, Mary, Christine, Roseanne, and the rest of the passenger staff, I'm John Shore.